This is Andy, and welcome to the newest season of the podcast. We're so excited to be sharing some incredible behavioral therapy programs for you to learn about. And whether you're just interested in learning and getting educated, or whether you're actually evaluating some programs, this should truly be an interesting, inspirational, educational season. So if you have any questions, feel free, as always, to reach out to me at Andy at We'd really appreciate it if you gave us a good review on Apple Podcasts so it could reach more people. And sit back and enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the new episode of the Wilderness Therapy and Residential Treatment Center Journey Podcast. I'm excited today to be able to speak more about Residential Treatment Centers with Raymond Archuleta. He is the admissions director at Vista Magna, which is based in Utah. Uh, it is focused on um, boys, and I'm really looking forward to getting into his background, some things about the industry, um, his programs, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good time and learn some things that, that parents can really walk away from both about the industry and about residential treatment centers and about Raymond's program itself. So welcome, Raymond. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. So, um, you know, please, if you would, uh, you're based in Utah, please tell me a little bit about your history and background and what led you to be the admissions director of Vista Magna. Sure. Uh, well, I had grown up in California and moved out here to Utah um, shortly after high school, and I was lucky enough to have a good friend who suggested that I look at a position at a residential treatment program. I'd never heard of it at that point, but I knew that Utah was a pretty solid place for these programs. I hired on and fell in love with the work. It was, um, it was a very eye-opening experience. And after a couple of years, when I moved to a, you know, a different living situation, I hired on in another similar program because I was really enjoying what I was learning. I decided pretty early on that it made sense for me to stay in the field. I, I wanted to go ahead and uh, pursue an education there. So I completed my undergrad in psychology and sociology uh, up here at the University of Utah. And then I rolled right into a master's program for my master's in social work. And it was during that time that I, 11 years ago, that I found Vista. And, uh, you know, during my time at Vista, uh, you know, I've, I've been in a few unique roles. Um, most of my time here, you know, in the admissions director role, uh, but I, I did. I, I fell in love with the work pretty early on, you know, watching these adolescents, um, young men and young women make so much change for themselves um, through a process that is challenging in more ways than a lot of us understand, or at least that we understand right now. And it was it was really interesting for me to watch that. And I enjoyed it. And I loved being a part of it. And so contributing to it made a lot of sense for me. And it, I've been in the industry ever since. Wonderful. Well, one of the lessons here is that it was great that you got to experience some of it before you invested in further education or committed your career to it and really saw that it was something you really enjoyed um, before you went forward with it, which is uh, wonderful. Um, so um, can we talk a little bit about um, your programs and what makes them unique? I know we taught where Vista actually has three programs. One is called Vista Saga. One is called Vista at Dimple Del Canyon. Right, Vista Sage and Vista Dimple Del Canyon. Right, Vista Sage and Vista mm -hmm. Dimple Del Canyon. 
And those are both girls programs. So if you are a parent with a, a girl, um, you can, um, you can re recognize that uh, the program that uh, Raymond's going to be talking about mirrors those programs in those other locations. And so uh, please tell me a little bit about your program and, and what makes it unique. Uh, sure. So Vista Magna, as you'd mentioned, it's a, it's a boys adolescent program and uh, we are a residential treatment center on the smaller side, you know, 32 students is actually our maximum out there. And that is intentional. We've really enjoyed having smaller groups of boys that are living together and going through this process um, therapeutically and academically together. They, they tend to feel more heard, more noticed, and they have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with their therapists, with their teachers, with staff members and supervisors with whom they really relate. Uh, and so having a smaller, physically smaller program that way with fewer students has really been working quite well um, in our favor as much as in theirs. And we are located just outside of Salt Lake City. Um, in fact, we're, you know, eight or, set, eight or nine minutes away from the airport. We're really that close. And here at Vista Magna, it is a home-like setting. Uh, often to the surprise of family members and to the students themselves who might be visiting or seeing it for the first time. I, I think there's sometimes this expectation that programs with this level of service look and feel like hospitals or clinics. Uh, we do not. Uh, we're actually, we're in private homes. And these are residential homes that are located on a single property together, two of these homes to be precise. And the boys live there during their time with us while they're engaging in school. Our therapists and other team members are on site uh, throughout the entire week. And uh, we are a program that is um, working very hard to create a home-like setting. You know, we, we want the boys to live in normal-looking bedrooms, to walk through normal-looking living rooms. Uh, you know, we have an on-site gym and a rec room, and we have some outdoor areas around our campus where we can go outside to have a group session or toss the ball around or put a soccer game together. Uh, we really need the environment to be physically comfortable so that it can lead to emotional comfort. And these boys are doing very challenging work. Uh, and so rightfully, we really need them to be in a setting where they can feel um, welcomed to, uh, to do some hard work and to not feel too enclosed or too contained or too restricted. Um, with all of that, we're very much a recreational program as well. Uh, you know, the boys are engaging in therapy and schoolwork throughout the week. And I can tell you all about what those hours and services look like. But behind all of that, there's this strong component of making sure the boys are getting off campus. We're so close to Salt Lake City. We're so close to the mountains to the east of us. It would be a crime to not take full advantage of that. And so in small groups throughout the week, every day, in fact, we're going off campus. We're going into the community to visit parks and restaurants. We're going to movie theaters and events. We're going into the mountains uh, for skiing and snowboarding, for mountain biking, for fly fishing. Uh, skateboarding and BMX biking. It's a really long list because our proximity to all of these things really kind of spoils us. And it allows us to build that into the program much more robustly than maybe, you know, programs that were geographically isolated much more than they really could. And so we, uh, we feel quite privileged to be located where we are and, and set up the way we are. Um, and I guess, you know, in front of all of that, I would say the, the, the beating heart of VISTA really always has been this very relationship-focused model. We want the boys to build strong uh, alliances with their therapists, with their teachers. We want them to feel eager to relate to their peers, to, to walk into a group, uh, whatever's going on, and to be able to say, 
I'm not really alone in what I'm struggling with. I'm not by myself in this thing that I'm bringing to the table. There are people in this room who, who get it, you know, and we're all unique, but I, I, th I feel like I can be heard here and people can understand what I'm going through. Um, and so that this relationship model allows us to have the boys interact in such a way where they can give each other feedback, honestly, and with vulnerability. They can hear each other. They can mirror each other's good efforts. They can congratulate each other and pick each other up. Um, that's such a huge piece behind all of this. You know, we don't want just the therapists or just the staff members being that, that line of support for these boys. They get so much from having their peers provide that as well. Terrific. Um, I know, you know, the area you're located in just outside of Salt Lake City, and, and it's such a, a wonderland of, of, you know, recreational opportunities for sure. And it sounds like you have a, a, a really good environment set up physically and emotionally for success uh, for the boys. But um, I also know that you have, you know, you're set up with some uh, heavier clinical services mm -hmm. as, and, and, it, and it to be more uh, personal and, and uh, in terms of the ratios and the way that clinic and, and the amount of hours that are, are managed in the clinical services. And that also results in a shorter stay than typical residential treatment. So can mm -hmm. you describe kind of what that looks like and why you chose to have the program set up to be that way and who is a good candidate for those types of services? Absolutely. Um, it is an intentional piece of the programming on our side to make sure that we're a shorter length of stay. Um, a lot of that, to be honest, stems from uh, our belief that being in a structured, really well-controlled environment away from home for too long a time really does create diminishing returns. You know, it can be very challenging for an adolescent to be um, away from home in a residential program for 12, 14, 18 months, you know, and there are programs out there whose lengths of stay are along those lines and they've created it in such a way where they can really maximize all the benefits. Uh, our experience has been with the level of care that we're providing and the amount of services these boys are participating in throughout the week, a shorter length of stay is more effective. Uh, you know, we, we really want to avoid what we refer to as the treatment fatigue. You know, we'd really like for these boys to feel engaged throughout the entire process and not you know, biding time after month five, month six, month seven. We really want to make sure that they're um, invested in what they're doing from beginning to end. So our average length of stay tends to be between about seven and nine months, you know, and it's always variable. There, there will be that occasional student who's ready to leave sooner than that. And, and likewise, that occasional student who may need longer at a program of this, uh, at this level of care. But uh, most commonly, they're here about seven to nine months. And, and we are proud of that. Um, I'd say the student that uh, really benefits most from that model and from that approach. Um, these are boys who are, they're depressed, they're anxious, uh, you know, they're working through so much in their identity, just trying to understand better how they relate uh, to those around them and their family and their peer groups, how they identify themselves. Um, these are young men who are very often coming to us directly after some time in wilderness therapy where They've had a good eight or 10 or 12 weeks to get a grasp on these things and to build some insight around these things. And, and yet they're still anxious. They're still apprehensive moving forward. I think anybody would be in a process like this, but they come in with so much insight and awareness around 
wow, so this is really how my depression is showing itself. And here's how I was helping it. Here's how I was not helping it. Here's how my relationships have been a factor in that. And again, here's how I'm helping it and not helping it. And these are boys who are um, coming in with a sense of motivation around wanting to take better care of themselves. And we do really well with that. Um, you know, there's there's a you know there's plenty of criteria I can give you about the kinds of students that would not be a Vista, but if it helps, yeah, that it's that student who's coming in who at the core really needs to do some good strong work around their emotional mental health, and uh, and there's some behavioral aspects to that, and we can address that here. But it's uh, they're sensitive boys who are bright and capable. Um, they're strong, more resilient maybe than they sometimes know, and uh, we have the privilege of being able to access that with them and just to shine a light on it more. And do some of them have substance abuse issues or? Many do. Yeah, I would say, in fact, um, generally, most of our population has at least some degree of substance abuse issues. And it ranges, you know, for some of these boys, it's on the very mild side of things. They were just introducing themselves to substances. And that's when everybody stepped in and said, let's get you some support. And for some of these boys, it's gone on for years and, and to different degrees. Um, and it's even gotten pretty dangerous for a handful of them. Uh, so that is also another piece that connects many of them. And then with that, we have a small group of students who have no substance abuse issues at all. Understood. Um, so one of the things, I guess, um, with the with the intensity that you provide um, and the duration being less, it becomes a little bit more affordable, even though it's still expensive, obviously, but a little mm -hmm. bit more affordable for parents because your from what you said your your price is kind of in the middle of the range but if you're staying there for seven to nine months as opposed to 14 to 20 months your price is quite a lot less at the end of the day your your total cost that has been our experience um and in fact it's quite common for us to see families approaching vista specifically with that in mind because like i had mentioned so many of our students all of them as a matter of fact are coming to us directly from some other setting usually wilderness therapy in fact and that all by itself, despite its short duration, is an extremely expensive process. And insurance might help, they might not. There's a lot of ins and outs with that process. But coming to us, families are, have already depleted a lot of their resources in many cases to provide this level of support for their son or for their daughter. And so first on the list is we have this amount of financial uh, resource available for our son or for our daughter. This is really how much we can afford and that before we have to tap out what program can give us a length of stay that matches up with that and and not everybody necessarily can just because of how they're set up we really like to give that close attention and uh, when possible to be able to deliver a shorter length of stay to a student not specifically just for the financial piece but because uh, our level of care allows us to and they accomplish so much in those six seven eight months with us so can you provide a, a typical day in terms of the amount of um schooling that you have at your Stansbury Academy versus therapy versus the recreational aspect versus something else and kind of understand the balance and the difference with your program compared to some others? Sure. Uh, in fact, I would say to best understand the typical day, um, you can kind of build it around the school hours. The, the school schedule is similar uh, to a lot of the school schedules that these young men were experiencing back at home. It's a Monday through Friday class schedule. And we are in classes from about 9.30 a.m. to about 3 p.m. with breaks in between and lunch in between and things like that. Uh, and then around this school schedule, we build in 
group therapy uh, once every weekday. This is a one and a half hour session of group therapy following the, the school hours every weekday. Uh, individual and family therapy are built into every weekly schedule. Uh, recreational therapy um, plays such a unique role in all of this because not only are we taking these boys off campus after school hours in the evenings or, you know, especially on the weekends, but we're also leaving during school hours. So if there's a young man who wishes to go on the, the Tuesday afternoon snowboarding outing, for example, uh, it's his responsibility to make sure that he's caught up in, let's say, his English and math class, because those are the two classes that he'll have to miss that day because he'll be up on the mountain with three or four peers of his who have done the same thing. With a green light from those teachers, he's able to go off on that outing in the middle of the school day. Um, it's a really unique individualized approach that we have in school, and that allows us to facilitate that. These boys can stay on top of their tasks at a really individualized pace, pick up the pace where they wish to, slow down where they wish to. The support is quite unique to the student because of the different learning styles and learning differences they might be working with. But it opens the door for these same boys to say, you know what, math and English are going great. My teachers have given me the okay. I think I'm going to go skiing today, you know, <laughs> and then come back and pick up their schedule where they left off for the day. That's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, and it is unique. I, I, to be honest, I'm not quite aware of other programs that have built it quite the way we have. And I think part of that is just we're spoiled by our geography. Our, our location allows us to really flexibly go back and forth from campus as often as we need throughout the week. Can you go a little bit more in depth on the clinical side? Yes. Yeah, so the, on the clinical side, we have a number of services. So we have, of course, the group therapy. Um, and these are in small groups. You know, we're, we're a campus of 32 boys at our maximum, but this is across these two houses that share the campus. And so one house of boys will live together and do their group therapy together. And again, that's Monday through Friday. And these are at seven and a half total hours of group therapy each week. On the individual therapy side, it's, it's pretty unique because we'll always have that standing appointment of individual therapy every week. I think most programs would really, but because of our model just being so relationship focused and really shrunken down to have a smaller group of students and smaller caseloads, more staff, more clinicians, these students are meeting with their therapists on a daily basis most of the time. That's actually very normal for us. And this might be in the form of, hey, I know we just had our individual session yesterday, but I'm having a tough time today with A, B, and C, and I'd really like to sit down and hash through this. Or even something as brief as, you know, hey, I just kind of need a minute to, you know, step aside for 10 or 15 minutes, collect myself. I'm kind of frustrated at the moment. Can I chat with you about this? And then as soon as I'm ready, I'll hop back into class or I'll get back into group, whatever it might be. This is a very typical part of our therapeutic process. We really don't want these students to feel that the access to their therapist is limited to some kind of weekly schedule where they're really going to only see them every Wednesday at two o'clock for that individual session. Really, they're seeing them every day, multiple times a day if they wish. Um, and that flexibility for us is extremely valuable because I do think, you know, like I'd mentioned before, I, I think that contributes heavily to the fact that we can be intensive and consistent and then reduce that length of stay as much as possible. How important is um, the individual primary therapist that a boy is assigned to? Um, and the reason I ask is, is we found all of the other elements when we sent our daughter away uh, to her residential treatment to be um, important for it to be the right setting and the right level of therapy, but having the right therapist that matches uh, the child's temperament, 
and 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 um, you know ability to connect is so important. Seem to be so important. Do you agree with that? And 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 if so, what efforts do you guys make to make sure that match works? I do agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, to the extent, in fact, that it, it actually. Um, it, that is a very big piece of my role out there on the admissions side of things, because I'm able to review information, talk with current clinicians, speak with educational consultants, speak with families, answer questions. And that's great. And that's probably my favorite part of the job. Something else I get to do is to, when I evaluate a student's case, I look at their history. I'm learning so much about them from family and, and from their, uh, um, their providers. I'm able to say, wow, given this information, which of our four current primary therapists would be best equipped to work with this young man, whether that be due to personality styles, or perhaps I've got a therapist over here who does much more trauma work relative to what this young man's working on. I have a therapist over here who maybe for gender reasons, for example, some students just work much better on a clinical level with a female than a male and vice versa. And that matters a lot. Sometimes age matters. Sometimes energy matters. Uh, you know, we've got therapists here whom I would describe as uh, more talkative, more verbose, like I am. And then we have other therapists here who are more reserved and more stoic and more uh, more calm in their approach. And, and the response from their students, that really matters. That therapeutic alliance, especially in a model like this one, where they do have so much contact with that person, it ends up being kind of an anchor in a lot of this. Um, having said that, we're always very proud to have uh, full-time, fully licensed, very experienced clinicians that are, you know, employed with us. We're, in fact, I would say we're quite selective about that, um, and it pays off in the dividends of being able to, at any given time, say, you know what, we know this young man's going to do really well with this program, regardless of which of these therapists um, he, you know, ends up with for caseload reasons. But if we can be specific and say, I'd really love you to work with this therapist, that's where I come in and I spend hours <laughs> doing that for each student, talking with the entire team to see not only what my opinion is about that, but what each of the therapists think about that. And when we come to a consensus, I, I line that up. Great. So um, before we get into a different topic, I just kind of wanted to summarize uh, a couple thoughts for parents. And that is um, Raymond and his team have a unique program here that's a little bit more intensive and it's just for boys and it's in uh, a beautiful setting. Um, you know, those are, um, you know, for the criteria you're looking for, for your child, um, you know, all of those things are really important. And certainly the, the way that they're licensed and accredited and, um, and the, the quality of the, the clinicians that they have is really something to consider and, and make sure to check out. And, and, uh, Raymond's program is top flight. And so if it's a good fit, um, uh, or the girls program is a good fit, I'd certainly encourage you to reach out and we'll provide the contact information later on. Um, I did, uh, it's kind of a theme in these podcasts recently with some of the, some of the uh, people who have spoken out about some past controversies. So I wanted to, given that you've been in the industry for a while and have a firsthand view trying to serve uh, boys in, the, in this space, can you just tell me, you know, uh, give me a little bit of a background about your view of the industry and its progress and some of the constraints? Absolutely. Um, you know, on the progress side of things, I, I have been fortunate uh, to witness a lot of this because some of this progress is quite recent. Um, and I guess speaking to that, there are so many unique 
and specific programs addressing the needs of these students now. You know, it's not like it was 20, 30, 40 years ago where programs would open their doors and say, whoever we can enroll, let's enroll them. Uh, we'll find a way to address their needs and we'll get creative if we have to, but let's just, you know, let, let's fill the program and do what we can. Now it's programs saying, let's be specific, let's be selective, let's assess carefully, and let's have every student enrolling do, do so very intentionally because we know that we can support them in pretty specific ways. Uh, we're proud of that, you know, and I think VISTA is a part of that as well. We, you know, being a small program like we are, I'm as the admissions director, I'm left to be very selective about who enrolls and who does not enroll uh, because we'd really like to make sure that our services are matched up quite precisely with what students are needing. And I'm not sure that was the case a handful of decades ago. Collaboration is at its highest. You know, we have um, organizations like NATSAP, the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs. We have the Independent Educational Consultants Association and all these professionals around the country who are steering this process and providing so much support to families. We have conferences, national conferences, regional conferences. They're all throughout the year. Even now, you know, here we are kind of approaching the post-COVID era, at least I hope. <laughs> and, um, you know, everybody's getting back on their feet to network with one another, programs that you know, maybe some of them are in the same state, maybe they're 1500 miles apart, but they're getting together to discuss what's working and what isn't working, um, modalities in their programs that are effective and why. Um, it's, such a, it's such a high degree of collaboration between professionals. And I, I think that's, um, it's, it's really quite unparalleled. We haven't quite seen anything like this in the mental health industry. Um, to my, uh, on my side of things, on the admissions side of things, um, I, I'm very passionate about making sure that the families I get to work with know that when we are reviewing information about their son or daughter, when we're speaking with that wilderness therapist or answering questions for these parents, I really want them to know that we're being pretty intensive about this uh, because we really need to make sure that when we come in or when these students come in and enroll, they're, they're coming into the right program, the right level of care at the right time, um, what they're addressing in their therapy matches up with the kinds of things they're going to see with their peers out here. Uh, you know, we, we have so much more understanding about mental health issues now. And so that affords us the opportunity to, to say, hey, here's a young man who really struggled at home in the following ways. It's going to be different at Vista and here's why. And here's, you know, here's how we can approach that and address it. Um, yeah, uh, other progress, you know, is, is in the place of psychological testing. It's so different and more comprehensive than it used to be. We can learn a lot about these young men uh, in these really well done evaluations around, you know, where the struggles are, where the challenges are, where the strengths are, um, and that matters a lot to us. And so it's just it's a much more involved process um, in looking at that right fit and creating that right fit than it was a while ago. And uh, and yeah, and like I said, we're very proud of that because it takes years and years of using the right research and having the right people involved and being appropriately very selective about how we put all of that together. Would you also agree that parent engagement is much higher now than it has been? It used to be sending your kid away. Now the parents are really part of the journey or, try, or, or the, the ones who more often succeed <laughs> engage in the journey. Right. And then um, and then certainly the regulatory activity, even if it's on a state by state basis, has, has, has increased and been enhanced. So I, I think those things help as well. I agree. Um, and thank goodness the family aspect of programming like this is far more robust than it used to be. 
these are young men who, in many cases, will in fact be returning home after their time with us. Um, not everybody will. Sometimes they're moving on to another level of programming or a young adult program or what it might be, but so many of them will be returning home. And if the family during this entire process, not just in preparation for the return home, not just right when they get there, but from day one, if we've got the family doing their own work at home, um, you know, really receiving the coaching that's being provided them, making changes as needed, maybe even switching up some of their expectations around what therapy and schoolwork and home life might look like for their son or daughter when they return home. That matters so much. Um, I, I would describe, and I think our therapists would agree, I would describe our services as being very family-centric. Um, and again, I think that's just a big piece of that relationship model that we have. Of course, they're going to become quite close to a lot of the people out here at Vista because they spend all their time here. But being able to reestablish healthier boundaries, um, to take a look at some of the more sensitive and difficult things in the family relationships that could you know, use some work, uh, that's sensitive work and it's difficult. It's difficult on all sides. And uh, I would hate for people to think that um, parents were not doing that work. <laughs> you know, they really should be. And it's, that matters a lot. Uh, so we, we spend a lot of time on that, um, quite a bit. We even have families coming out for visits. We have students going home for holidays and family events. We want that family exposure to be very high um, and, and because that matters so much and because things evolve throughout this process, not just for the student, but for the entire family unit, really. Terrific. Um, <clears throat> we spoke before, the, before we started this interview a little bit about the controversies and you were pretty articulate in terms of how you viewed that. Can you can you briefly touch on that? I'd love to. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting in the past. Uh, it's been a while, but I'd say especially the past year or two, uh, a lot of attention is being drawn to treatment programs because of allegations made against programs about uh, mistreatment, about um, you know alleged abuse, about just poor programming generally. We have, um, you know, celebrities in the spotlight who are, who are bringing this to the attention of the general public. Um, my thought on this is that there is a lot of good and there is a lot of struggle in this. Um, the good that comes from this is voices should be heard. Um, I, I, I personally and professionally feel like a very strong advocate for those who feel that they're, um, they were mistreated in any form should be able to voice that, receive attention for it, talk to the right people about it and correct those things, or at least address them in such a way where they can be corrected. Um, I also feel with that, that it creates a lot of space for misunderstanding. It creates a lot of space for um, exaggeration or even just outright false allegations. Um, and that puts a program in a very tight spot because programs who are really using best practices, um, being extremely conservative and uh, and very appropriate in how they provide their services, being heavily scrutinized for that matter by licensing bodies and a number of other people. Uh, programs to, that receive allegations like that, uh, they don't want to find themselves in a position of trying to very loudly defend themselves and, you know, pound fists on tables. It's, it, it's, it's a much better approach to be able to inform families, uh, you know, hey, here's, here's what's involved, and we want you to go ahead and talk to professionals that know the program. We want you to talk to families who have navigated the program in the past or who are right now. Go to these resources that really mean a lot more than what you might have heard in a documentary or what you might have seen online. 
Um, and, and again, I go back to there will be truth in some of those things. There will be fact in some of those things. And thank goodness there is. And they, I hope they're being addressed appropriately. But for that measure of things that um, are not accurate or that are misleading or that are even quite malicious, um, I, I really would uh, exhort families to exercise caution in where they're putting uh, you know, where they're putting their faith and, and, and their confidence in this process. And to please refer to resources that can give them an honest, objective, professional viewpoint of what's going on at a program. And consultants know, you know, these are educational consultants who are all over the country. They know these programs quite intimately, actually, to the extent that they are even very familiar with the individual directors and therapists and staff members. They're such great resources for understanding what works and what doesn't quite work as well in a given program. And I think they're um, maybe underutilized in that aspect. Appreciate your balanced point of view on that. So wrapping up, um, can you just provide our listeners with your contact information and, and where to find out more about Vista so that if they wanna find out more, they can know where to reach you? Sure. So our, our main website is vistatc.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-T-C.com. Uh, I can be reached at uh, my primary email. That's my first name, Raymond, at vistatc.com. Um, and I'm always happy to answer questions or to provide information um, for whoever might be wanting to reach out. Great. Well, Raymond, thank you for your time today. It was really interesting to find out about uh, find out more about your unique program and uh, your views on the industry. And it was really helpful information for parents. Um, thank you again, parents, for tuning in. Parents, remember, take care of your children and empower yourself with information at Parents Journey.